All right. Welcome to another edition of Big Ten Spotlight. He is Dion Thomas, the all-time leading scorer in Illinois fighting Illini history. I am Aaron York, and I am the all-time leader in TikToks about Penn State basketball. And let's get right to it, Dion. The Ohio State Buckeyes, they lost to Wisconsin. Wisconsin finally snapping that four-game losing streak. And they look to be in a tailspin. They pull out of it. And what happens? Ohio State fires head coach Chris Holtman. This is yeah. going to be the second straight year without an NCAA tournament appearance, barring a miracle run in the Big Ten tournament. And although we had some success in bringing the Buckeyes to the tournament, this is clearly a program that sees itself as a tournament team, not just an occasional tournament team, but a tournament team every year. And I have mixed feelings about it because of what it looked like Holtman was building with the young players he had in the starting starting lineup. But what what do you think about this move? Did this come as a big surprise or did you see this coming with the way they were in this in this big time losing skid since since the new year? I'll say um first of all, let me let me start off by saying I, I am a big fan of Chris Holtman. Uh, he has done a not just a tremendous job at Ohio State. Uh, did a great job, I believe Butler before that. Yeah, uh, he is a well-established um, coach. But this is the business of winning basketball games. You know, this is the and now with the you know all of the other things that come along with it. You know, making sure you do getting your nil right. You know, being a development officer myself, I understand that and how it works and how it can affect things coming into uh, as far as donations and dollars and donors and fans of the program. So I look at it differently than I did as a player. As a coach, I'm sure Coach Holtman, and I know, as I mentioned before, I'm a fan of his, of the hard work. Uh, that he has done to get um, to this point where, you know, this team had was really good a few years ago. Tournament team multiple times a few years ago. He was coach of the year in the Big Ten. This, was, this is not the last time you'll see coach uh, Chris Holtman, but I will say the way this team has been struggling uh, this year, if you're the athletic director, you have to begin to look at ways to improve the program. I mean, if you think about it, uh, when Ohio State was having some difficulties in football, I mean, that was a conversation that came up if they were going to keep the football coach. You know, Ohio State is a program, whether it's football, basketball, or any of the other sports, they are – expected to win um you're expected to be in uh every battle every big 10 battle you're expected to be in the uh ncaa tournament they've had wins some good wins this year you know wins over ucla west virginia um but when you come down to it and you've struggled the way they have this year uh and they've lost what is it five or six nine, in a row. They've lost nine of their last 11, nine of their last 11. Yeah, you have to begin to look at either the locker room is no longer um, responding to the coach. And if that's the case, 
you have to start looking at changing some things up. So it's unfortunate, but I had um, one of my mentors when I was in this coaching business tell me, Dion, you know, if you get into this, understand you're in the business where they hire you to fire you. And that's exactly, unfortunately, where Coach Holtman was um, caught up. As you mentioned, this will be the second straight year that they will not, uh, barring a winning of the Big Ten tournament, make it to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, you have to start looking at fixes. Um, you have to start thinking now in this year of NIL of which players you want to retain and and all of those things. And, and you know, prospective players that are going to hit the transfer portal, not to mention – uh, the freshman you have coming in and recruiting. So, yeah, I mean, sad day for Coach Holtman, his family, but I know he'll hit the ground running wherever he goes. Just Like I said, great man, great coach, has done a tremendous job uh, previously to these last two years. But, you know, that's the nature of this beast, man. <laughs> you don't win, you don't stay. Yeah, I thought of Chris Holtman as one of the more underrated coaches in the conference. He obviously hasn't been underrated the last couple seasons, but one of the reasons I have mixed feelings about this, and I understand that Ohio State has higher standards than what they've been doing the last two seasons, 5-15 and 15 in the conference last year. They are 4-10 and 10 this year, mm -hmm. and... But it's that starting lineup where they have, they are building a young core. They have four sophomores in the starting lineup with Bruce Thornton and, and Roddy Gale making big, big strides this year. Phillips Opara looks like, I think he is one of the more underrated big men. He's a great shot blocker that they can build their defense around. And then you have Evan Mahaffey, who I saw at Penn State last year, and he's really starting to score the ball a lot better. He's getting a lot better as an offensive player. So I like what I've seen out of him for growth. The only veteran they have out in the starting lineup is Jamison Battle. So it's going to be injured. interesting. It was a big piece and he's injured. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, he, that's hurt them a lot because he's been a big three point shooter for them, not just, and you know, one of the best shooters in the conference when he yeah. is healthy. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, they might be taking a step back to take a step forward because this is a team that with if all those guys stay and they, they spend another year together as juniors, this could certainly be a tournament team and even a very good tournament team next year. But uh, Ohio State decided it's not good enough. And what really hurt Holtman, I thought, was he did make the his first five years, including 2020 when they were projected to make the tournament, the first five years – he did make the NCAA tournament. The problem was he never made the Sweet 16 at Ohio State, which he did accomplish his last season at Butler. And you go back to that year 2021 when they were the two seed. And when you're the two seed, you're supposed to make the Sweet 16. And what happens? That was his only time at Ohio State that he lost in the first round. And when he was a lower seed, he was able to advance past the first round, but he loses that game to Oral Roberts. Very memorative, uh, memorable game with Max Aismas going off. And uh, yeah, just just that yeah, was really his one shot to do something special. That was when he had his best team. And, a, and ironically, it's a team that doesn't even win a game in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, but you can't look at it like that. I mean, matchups matter. And, and this is what yeah, sure. I understand what you're saying. And I'm sure the odds makers, well, the odds makers did have them um, doing some big things. But man. The NCAA tournament is hard. 
And, yeah. and this is what I don't think – I think a lot of people think, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, and some of our Illini fans as well. Oh, people, we should be there. We should be winning all the time. Da, 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 da. We, we allow love and passion to get in the way of truly understanding uh, what type of beast that, that NCAA tournament is. I mean, man, you have no time really to prep or prepare. Uh, you're, you're going over and it's kind of game time prepping for the other team. So you really don't know who you're playing. It's not like when you're playing in your conference and it depends who's the hot team that night. You know, if they're making shots and things have happened, you know, look at Purdue last year. I mean, th these things don't, you know, are, 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 are very difficult not to, you know, not trying to take the slack off of, off of Chris Holtman at all. Um, but it's a hard thing to do to try to get to that tournament. I mean, anytime you get and, – and trust me, I know I never made it past the second round. And there were a couple of years we were projected to go past the second round. And it just – you know, you run into teams that are hot shooting, you know, or a team that puts together a great game plan and executes better than you do or your team that night. And, man, then you're coming home and – <laughs> it hurts. It sucks. As you can hear, still hear the pain in my voice from us losing to Georgetown my senior year. I still feel it all these years later. Um, but no, I, I, you know, just so we can, you know, move on. I just, I wonder who they're going to, if they're going to move Diebler into that, you know, who was the associate head coach and let him finish out the year, what the thoughts are from up top over at the Ohio State University. So we'll see. But, you know, Chris Holtman will land on his feet, and he and his family are going to be fine because he's a heck yeah. of a coach. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I just – that's how coaches are judged, unfortunately. It is a brutal, yes. brutal one-game elimination. You only get 40, 40 minutes to either do or die, and you're right. It could be any any – Game can be the downfall, and certainly that Oral Roberts team was better than they were billed. That's why yep. the game was so close and exciting. That's why Oral Roberts pulled it out. And it's it's hard for the committee to judge these these mid major teams and give them just put a number besides their name and say, well, that's what they are when they are playing totally different competition. So you, so no one really knows. But at the same time, that's how coaches get judged. And maybe exactly. if Holt had gone farther, if maybe he gets a Sweet Sixteen and beyond. Maybe he gets a little bit of a longer leash here with his young team that he's coaching now. So let's move on. Let's talk about your fighting Illini played a really exciting game on Saturday. They did yeah. not come out on the winning end against they were on the road against a Michigan State team that needed it more. But then they bounced back and they absolutely hammer Michigan. Terrence Shannon Jr. really rounding into form, playing two of his best games of the season his three-point shot was going in against Michigan and I said if he's shooting like that we know about how Terrence Shan Jr. can get to the basket and just blow yes. by opponents with his speed but if he can hit shots like that it's just over there's just no chance for opponents so uh, that was a nice get right game for Illinois after a tough loss and uh yeah what did you <laughs> what was your reaction well, to seeing the Illini play I'll say this. I haven't had, you know, as you've mentioned, I have the the, the blessing, uh, I should say that, the blessing and to cover Illinois when I'm watching them, you know, and when I'm broadcasting games. I, I felt really good about what I saw last night, especially after what 
happened and the debacle up in East Lansing. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Michigan State needed that game. You know, if you look at it in a way to kind of cement a, another opportunity for Tom Izzo, who is <laughs> – I, I can't say enough good things about the coach and the person that Tom Izzo is um, to make. I think this will be the 25th year in a row if they make the NCAA tournament, which is, you know, if not unprecedented, is doggone near way up there, man. I mean, he's done a tremendous job over a long time. And Illinois jumped out on them pretty much. and was It seemed like they were in control. I mean, even going into the second half, they were up eight points, I think, with six minutes left. Yeah. And Michigan State stormed back to get the win. You know, as you mentioned, Terrence Shannon had a really good game in that game, uh, finished the game with 28 points, I believe it was. Coleman Hawkins played well, but they just couldn't close it out. And one of the biggest discussions that's been going on around in um, Champaign is got to get back tougher. I mean, Brad Underwood even went so far in the media to use the word soft when he described that game against Michigan State because of the number of and ones that they gave up. You don't normally hit, want to hear a coach or hear a coach describe his team in that manner or the way they played um, in that manner, but he did, and he challenged them, and they responded. Now, of course, Michigan isn't a great team. They're struggling and have been struggling, but my high school coach, Bob Hamburg, always told us, if you're supposed to beat somebody, you make sure you beat them twice as bad as you're supposed to beat them. <laughs> you know, so you yeah, really, really put it on them. And that was what they did. I mean, Vegas, you know, had, I think, Illinois 14, 15, 16 yep. point favorites. Yeah, it was a big number. Pretty, yeah, and they pretty much covered that. Yeah. You know, with a 97-68 win over Michigan uh, last night in Champaign. Um, I will say this. I was so glad to see my guy, Juwan Howard. You know, we've known each other since high school. He looked good, man, after a near-death um, experience mm -hmm. and having to have the heart surgery. So it was good to see him in person this time on the sideline. But, you know, I, I digress and get back to the game and what we're supposed to be talking about. Um, you mentioned Terrence Hawkins. I mean, Terrence Shannon's 31 points. But the game that Coleman Hawkins played, the all-around game of, of Coleman Hawkins, I mean, double-A, was, was amazing. Uh, six, 17 points, five rebounds, five assists, only one turnover, knocked down some big threes. I think it was 50% from three. You know, he played and orchestrated the team. Uh, Michigan switched to some zones at that time during the game, but just the ball movement from Illinois when they were in that zone, Coleman, you know, flashing inside and outside, just creating um, opportunities for others, knocking down threes, his defense, uh, mainly in the second half. I mean, the first, second half, more so than the first half, you know, Terrace Reed was was giving them work in the first half uh, and had 12 points at the end of the first half, one point in the second half. And a large portion of that was with Coleman defending them. Coleman had a couple of block shots as well uh, in that game. But the reemergence also of Quincy Guerre had not played really well, uh, I'll say, the last two games. And mm -hmm. when he's playing well, this puts Illinois on a different on a different level. I mean, because of his ability to rebound the basketball, to defend pretty much all five positions on the court, 
you know, at 6'8", 235, 240, somewhere around there. But did not miss a shot last night. Didn't miss a shot. But even more important, did a heck of a job in, on defense and then rebounded the ball, which is what he's known for since he's been at Illinois. Seven rebounds last night. So I love the bounce back uh, from Illinois, the intensity on defense. They played with speed this time, unlike what they did. Michigan State pretty much controlled the 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 tempo um, when they played up at East, East Lansing. Illinois did all of that thing and more last night. So it was good to see them uh, bounce back and and find them find themselves, especially on the defensive end again. Because you know, there's a couple things in basketball that travels, meaning when you're on the road, you need to do these two things at a high rate in order to win. And that's in the Big Ten, that's in the NCAA tournament. You better have these things down pat. One is defend, the other is rebound. You know, I'm a big Tom Thibodeau fan. Bulls won a lot of games when they didn't have a lot of talent and they had a hurt Derrick Rose and all these other things because of those two things. Illinois has done that as well in this Brad Underwood tenure because of rebounding the defense and they got back to it last night. Yeah, it's awesome that you brought up Thibodeau because I'm a big Knicks fan, another blue and orange team. So we're seeing that happen with the Knicks. They've become this hard-nosed team. They've also had to deal with injuries this season, and they're just grinding it out. And, and yeah, I mean, everyone in New York is super fired up about this Knicks team. We, we love Tom Thibodeau, the toughness that he's brought, and is a disciple of Jeff Van Gundy, who's the coach, uh, after yep. Pat Riley when the Knicks had success in the 90s. So, yeah, I, I love that you brought up Thibodeau there. Uh, he is one of my favorite coaches in basketball. So, Likewise. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the Michigan State side of things, the Michigan State side, what I was really impressed with in that win was the way they finally played like a full three-headed monster, the way they finally got great performance from A.J. Hogarth, great performance by Malik Hall, and then Tyson Walker, he didn't need to break his back carrying this offense because the other two guys scored 20 points. And you saw a glimpse of what this offense could be as it's uh, at it at the top of its potential. So that's yeah. something to look forward to for Michigan State. And they were able to get to the foul line. They were they scored a lot in the paint. They only shot about eight three-point shots. They made five of them, so they were efficient. But they were getting into the lane. And that's why Brad Underwood got upset, because they're getting to the lane. They're drawing fouls and giving Illinois problems that way. So very impressive game for Michigan State. And... Uh, and yeah, we're getting to the time of mid-February where we're on bubble watch. We're seeing who's in, who's out. We're checking back on the bracketology sites to see if it changed after every game and, and who's last four in and who's first four out. And Michigan State, I'm surprised they're still down on the nine, the nine line as I look at the ESPN projections. But I think they are on the rise with the way their offense is clicking. So I'm not too worried about Michigan State missing out. And they do have that big win against Baylor from in Detroit back in December in their back pocket. So I think and now this went over I'm Illinois. Not, yeah. So in this went over not oh, I helped them a lot. Oh, this yes. update apparently came after this update was from Monday morning. So that should take that into account. Uh, yep. I think Michigan State's gonna be, I could see them getting up to a, a seven or a six, even if they can continue playing well. And then 
It's been it's been the same way for a while. It's been six Big Ten teams in for the past few weeks with the last two being we know the obvious ones are Purdue and Wisconsin. Despite the losing streak, they have done Whoa, plenty. And, and Illinois. Hold on. They got I was about on, to say Illinois. I was about to say they Illinois. They got us on the four line. Come on, double A. You, you, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Wisconsin, then Illinois. And Illinois looks like they're going to – they uh, can pass Wisconsin if – uh, you know, Wisconsin got the win over Ohio State, but with the way Ohio State's playing, I could still see Illinois passing Wisconsin. So that's going to be an interesting battle as we go down the stretch. Yeah. You can have your own little battle with Wisconsin and see who Always gets the higher do. seed there. Because that, yeah, it's all about it's all about jockeying for position because it's a, a, as much madness as there is in March. The higher seed, the higher seed you are, the better the chance you have of getting to that second weekend and even further. So every game is just so important and seeding is so important in this giant tournament. And right. I was trying to say the, the, the bottom two teams, they've been hanging on to the either a nine seed or a 10 seed. They've been going back and forth Northwestern and Nebraska. And the reason they're kind of treading water here is because both those teams went at home and both those teams have a lot of trouble on the road. And especially well, Nebraska is to the totally extreme because they've, I believe they still won every, yeah, they've won every Big Ten home game. They've lost every Big Ten road game, no matter the opponent. And Northwestern same thing, same is close. With Northwestern. Oh, well, except they won at my uh, Ninny Lions. So I'm very upset about oh. that. Yeah. Well, yeah. They haven't so, lost at home, though. So they've, they've been correct. Really good so, yeah, home. it is almost the same with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why they they are just hanging on to the those bottom seeds. but And they've obviously picked up quality wins. They've both beaten Purdue. And they both have other big wins at home. Northwestern beat – they both beat Michigan State as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll see if those teams could – one of those teams could move up a couple lines. And if they pick up a couple of road wins down the stretch. uh, Me and myself – They still got the Big Ten tournament. So, you're you're right. They they can still climb. I mean, I still think, you know, Wisconsin has an opportunity – um, I think they, I think they're not, I mean, not Wisconsin, I'm sorry, Minnesota. I think Minnesota has a chance, you know, they have some quad one wins that they could still pick up. And then if they do well in the big 10 tournament, they'll have an opportunity to win. But I agree with you. Um, and, and I actually have to agree with Joe Lenardi as well, you know, with Purdue being the right now overall number one seed. Um, and, and that'd be great to have them in the Midwest. They got us, you know, Illinois right now. He has Illinois as a four seed going south, uh, to Dallas, which isn't bad. You know, we got a, we got a big following down in Texas. So it'd be good to, you know, <laughs> be able to go where we would have some orange in the, in the seats, but, um, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan state, I think those guys are all in and, and Nebraska as well. But I think we also have Big Ten also has a chance to get one more in that Minnesota game. And you still can't count out Iowa. Um, they can make a run in the Big Ten tournament, and that would pretty much, you know, probably help themselves out. But, yeah, I, I would agree with you and, and you know, with those bubble teams. And they just got to do the work. They got to keep winning. You know, the the tough part about this is, is that they cannibalize one another in the uh, Big Ten. So, you know, you could have some, but they're not counted as bad losses either unless you lose to Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Maryland, or Rutgers. And I have to throw your Nittany Lions in there as well. It's getting better. We're not that bad of a loss. We're not that bad of a loss anymore, but 
Yeah, I would agree. I get it. I would agree. I mean, it would be like a. It wouldn't be a quad four loss. It would be like a quad three. But you know, those are. It would still be considered a a tough loss for any of those teams up above them. So, you know, everyone has tough home games and they got some tough road games. But yeah, I think they got it spot on right now with with who's on the bubble and who's the last four in and who's the last four out. Yeah. And I think uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, who has the flash potential, but now they have a problem because Dawson Garcia got hurt on Sunday and they blow a huge lead at Iowa. That was so painful for Minnesota fans because that was going to do wonders for their bubble resume and they just let it slip away. So I think Iowa has a leg up on them. And then the other team we're watching is Maryland, Maryland and Iowa have a showdown tonight. And uh, so that's I, I yeah, that needs game, to win it. I, yeah, that and it's a, no doubt. Be tough on the road at Maryland. Mm-hmm. Maryland also desperate for wins, and Maryland just they also lost a heartbreak over the weekend to Ohio State, where Maryland they had two chances yes. to take the lead on free throws, uh, once in regulation and once in the first overtime. And Donta Scott and Julian Reese they both go zero for two at the line in separate instances. So that is just brutal for the Terps. They have a, yeah, and they now they they're gonna be desperate to get back on track. But like you said, Iowa also needs to keep that momentum going from that huge comeback win they had against Minnesota. And then um, yeah, I'm not ready to give up on Indiana. I think Indiana fans have had it with Indiana. Uh, they just got destroyed by Purdue. But yeah. it's, I mean, it's at Purdue. What are you gonna do? It's it, it's not a game you were really uh, counting your chickens with anyway. So uh, <laughs> exactly, you know, Indiana. They're still 14 and 10. They're still six and seven. Uh, here's what I think. If Indiana can, they have Northwestern at home and Nebraska at home, their next two games. What do we just say about those two teams? They both don't win on the road. If Indiana can win those two games at Assembly Hall, then uh, those are going to count as quality wins, even though those teams don't win on the road. They're still quality sure. wins because of the wins they've got at home. So that's kind of a, it's kind of a bubble hack that Indiana can pull here. They can get quality wins, even though the teams they're beating, they're beatable because they're, they're in Assembly Hall. So if they can grab those two, then they get my Nittany Lions. Uh, Indiana can start making their resume look a little better. So that's someone to look out for. I feel like a lot of people have written off the Hoosiers. Uh, and, but with Khalil Ware healthy, avoided that injury square uh, in the final seconds against Ohio State, uh, I think Indiana can maybe sneak back into the conversation. But it all comes down to the next two, these next two games. They, they have some work to do. I agree with you. <laughs> but they have some serious work to do. Um, but again, when, when you're in the big 10, who, who knows <laughs> you, you have a chance because you're going to get quality wins when you win those games. But, you know, anytime you're on the road, you got to make sure that you don't trip up and that's where they're going to be. Indiana could get back in there. You're, you're 100% right, but you know, we'll see. That's the beauty of college sports, man. That is the beauty of college sports. And yeah, it's only going to get more intense. It's only going to get more exciting down the stretch. So stick with us here on Big Ten Spotlight down the stretch. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. He's at Dion Thomas 25 on X. I'm at Aaron P. York. And make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple. Like and subscribe on YouTube. You can hit us up on social media. Go to Believe.com for this podcast and all the other ones from around the sports world as We inch closer to March Madness. It is going to be awesome. So uh, on behalf of Deion Thomas, I'm Aaron York. 
Peace out. Enjoy the basketball. Can't wait. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.